together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. You may be seated. And I'm so blessed to be here with you today to share with you a lesson from God's Word. We want to say welcome to everybody, especially our guests. If you have one of those attendance cards filled out, would you please pass it in to the inside aisle at this time? We are in the middle of a sermon series. That sermon series is called Blueprint. What is the blueprint of the church? And we ask the question, does it really matter? This sermon series actually is a product of what happened way back on January the 8th. January 8th's lesson was all about a study that I had been engaged with with a young man in Fort Worth, Texas. Pretty soon, six more joined us in that study, and we have what we ended up calling the seven. And they had some questions for me and questions for you. Today, we look at the communion Guests visiting us for the first time at our worship services often have two observations. They want to talk about our singing because they don't see a piano or a band up here on stage. They want to talk about what we call a cappella singing. And also they talk about that communion service because it's a little different. Because you see, in the religious world today, Christianity worldwide, the communion service is most often observed either on a quarterly basis or churches will observe it on a special occasion. We take it each and every Sunday. So we're a little different from the religious world. Before answering the question of how often should we take the communion, let's remind ourselves of what the communion service represents. Because the communion service to me is very, very special. The communion service, what is it? It's a memorial. You know, our world has seen a lot of great memorials erected. We have memorials like the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Monument, or you have things like the Taj Mahal in India. The greatest memorial ever given is this memorial the memorial to our Lord. Because it calls us to remember. It's a remembrance. Because it's really all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about our Lord, Jesus the Christ. Now, Jesus in his approximately three-year ministry, as the countdown was nearing to the cross, that countdown was almost at zero, on the night that he would be betrayed, on the night that he would be arrested, he would be crucified the next morning and afternoon. Jesus took time out to give to his disciples, back then, those disciples, and us today, he gave us a special gift. He gave us the communion what we call the Lord's Supper. 
It's a gift of remembrance. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, do this in remembrance of me. When you take this, do this in remembrance of what I have done for you. So how often? Weekly? Quarterly? Special occasions? It doesn't matter what we think. What does the Lord expect? What does He want us to do? What is the expectation of Jesus in regards to His Supper? I find it interesting that in the religious world, there are three current top, I call them top 20th, 21st century uh, theologians, experts as they would call themselves, of the Bible. One of those three had this comment to say about communion. He said, my study has led me to the conviction that the primitive New Testament pattern, stop right there. He is admitting there's a pattern. There's a pattern for how the church is organized. There's a pattern how the church worship. There's a pattern. He says that the primitive New Testament pattern of the weekly, once a week, each and every week, of the weekly observance of the communion was there and that there is every reason to follow it. Isn't it amazing that a man, not a New Testament Christian, would say that? Why does he say that? Acts 20, verse 7. What did those early Christians do? What do those early Christians do in regards to the communion. Go back to that verse that's already been read. Verse 7. Now on the first day of the week. That makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? That's very plain. On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, what was their purpose? To break bread. The early Christians observed it on the first day of the week. And guess what? Every week has a first day, does it not? Now, when I shared that with the seven, five of the seven cried, Foul! You've already got one verse, Michael. 1963. I'm six and a half years old. It's April. Starting in 1963 and all the way through the time that up to the time I went to college, from April until about the middle of November, every Monday, every Monday morning at breakfast, my dad would give me my assignment for the week. Maybe it was to uh, plow the soybeans, or maybe it was to uh, cut the, the hay and get it ready, rake it, get it ready for baling, you know, whatever the assignment was. But my dad always said what I was supposed to do. My father never had to tell me twice. Never. I kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of afraid even to think about what if happened if I had uh, asked to repeat it. He didn't have to tell me once. He didn't have to tell me twice. He told me once, and that was good enough. Here we have an example of the Christians coming together, Acts 20, verse 7, to break bread. Now, I want to urge you, come back this evening. Come back this evening as we look at the Sunday assembly and how special that is. 
And we're going to talk about how the communion tonight is a very integral part of the Sunday assembly. But for this morning, let's talk about this. An important aspect of the Sunday assembly was to partake of the Lord's Supper. It was a special time for each and every Christian. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want you to notice something here. Verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, okay, Corinth is a very, that's a pretty good distance from the churches in Galatia. He's saying, I've given this order, this command to those folks, to those Christians, now I'm giving it to you. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. Now, I say that to make a point. They were coming together on Sunday. They were coming together on that first day of the week. Oh, by the way, you know, Billy, I've always found this amazing. The people who reject the weekly, each week observance of the Lord's Supper, because there's only one verse that indicates the frequency, have no problem giving every Sunday. Uh, how many verses do we have for the giving on Sunday? One. Now, there's other verses talk about giving, but the frequency, there's just the one verse. But churches throughout this country today be taking up a collection. But most churches will not be observing the communion. Now, we've established that they would come together on the first day of the week. Now, let's look at chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 33. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Well, what is that referring to? Go back to verse 20. Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not, is it not to eat what? The Lord's Supper. You see, they came together that first day of the week to observe the Lord's Supper, to remember Jesus and that great sacrifice. Let's step away from the Bible for just a moment. Let's talk about history. We could actually pull up several different documents, several different writings that talk about the weekly, once a week, observance of the Lord's Supper. I'm just going to bring up two. A letter that Justin Martyr wrote to the Roman emperor and a document called the Didache. I want to give you a warning, though. Keep in mind, this is man's history. And man's history is not the Bible, so take it as it is. It could be right, it could be wrong. But isn't it interesting when history supports what the Bible tells us in the first place? Let's begin with his letter, Justin Martyr's letter to the Roman emperor. It was written, we believe, in 155 AD. This would be roughly 60 or so years after the letter called Revelations was written. 
In the letter, he says this to the emperor. And as I said before, when we cease from our prayer, bread is presented with wine, a distribution and participation of the elements for which thanks has been given is made to each person. And to those who are not present, it is sent by the deacons. What's he describing? The Lord's Supper. That's what he's describing to the emperor right there. Now, let's go and now look at that letter, that, comp that com composition of letters called the Didache. It's written probably in late 1st century, maybe early 2nd century. In that, um, in that document, it says, Come together each Lord's day of the Lord to break bread and give thanks. Once again, talking about the communion. But why on Sunday? What's the big deal about Sunday? Why can't we take it on Saturday or Friday or Wednesday? What's the big deal about Sunday? You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John rarely mention the days certain events took place. You know, we have tried to put together a chronological study of Jesus. And remember what I told you? I said, this is our best guess. We don't know for sure when event A happened, event B happened, and event C happened. We think this may be the order. But while all four of them rarely mention the days, all four talk about what happened upon that special day, that first day of the week, when Jesus was resurrected. Matthew chapter 28 is one example of the Gospels. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mark says the same thing. Luke says the same thing. John says the same thing. It happened on the first day of the week. That first day of the week became kind of special. Very special. Go with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. John 20 verse 19. Now then the same day in the evening being the first day of the week. First day of the week. That's special. Verse 26. After eight days, the disciples were again inside. And Thomas, who had been missing that first time, was there. Eight days later. What is it? It's the first of the week. Once again, first day of the week. It's really no surprise that the early Christians started calling the first day of the week, they started calling that the Lord's Day. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. A special day. Because that's the day of the week when Jesus was resurrected. It's not whenever we feel like it. We partake it. On the Lord's Day. I find it interesting that among some of our sister congregations, they have now started taking it on days other than the Lord's Day. 
My question to them is, what gives them the authority to do that? The Lord's Supper is a memorial. But it's more than just a memorial to have us to remember. Oh, must definitely, it's more than just that. It's something very special. Because see, every activity that God has placed among us, every activity He's placed among us is intended to pass along spiritual blessings that will help our faith to thrive. He's given us the tools to help build our faith. One of those tools is the Lord's Supper. First, what do we do? We prepare, we prepare our minds. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We prepare our minds. We examine ourselves. We have a kind of a review of our spiritual self. And remember, remember those um, pens I gave you, those Bible marking pens? I hope you've been using it for something more than just making a grocery shopping list. I want you to now get that pen out. I want you to write something. This is very important. I want you to write this down in the margin of your Bible. Look at verse 20. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is, not, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? Notice how Paul described it. It's the Lord's Supper. Write in your Bible, the Lord is the host. At each Passover meal, there would be someone described as the host. And that would be his Passover meal. Here, Jesus, when he instituted the communion, he did it during the Passover meal, and he was the host. We're not the host. We are the recipients. We receive the blessing. He is the host of this. It's Thanksgiving thanksgiving. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as they talked about the institution of the Lord's Supper, talked about Jesus giving thanks. Paul did the same in verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 11. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a communion. Paul said the cup we drink is what? He actually used the Greek word cornea. It's a cornea in the blood of Christ. Look at verse 16. Now, verse 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion, the cornea, the fellowship of the blood of Christ? That's how the King James and New King James translates it. It's a communion. It's a fellowship. Furthermore, it's a memorial. Just like the Passover feast was a memorial to the power of God in taking His people out of Egypt and bringing them to the Promised Land, the Lord's Supper is a memorial to what God did for us through the sacrifice of Jesus. 
And also, it's a symbol of future hope. Future hope, verse 26 of chapter 11. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Future hope. Eternity in heaven with our Lord. It's a covenant. Covenant. It's described as the blood of the covenant. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Let's look at Paul's writing right here. Verse number 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's a covenant. It's a covenant between God and us today. And we take it in a worthy manner. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, what do we mean by unworthy manner? How do we have a worthy manner? We're talking about attitudes. We're talking about motives here. Worthy manner, spiritual brokenness. We realize that we do not measure up to the standard that God has set. And it's only through the grace of our Father that our sins are forgiven. Spiritual brokenness. We confess that we, we are sinners. It's a reconciliation. We're brought closer to God. It's a rededication. It's true joy. It's not a ritual but it's not common. It's special. It's unique. When the communist dictator in Romania was arrested and then eliminated, the church was very quickly on the scene. And very quickly, the church was reestablished in that country. One of the things that those early Romanian Christians observed was the importance of the Lord's Supper. And over there, watches don't really have any meaning. <laughs> they don't, okay. They got all the time they need. So over there, communion service is very special. You know, we as Americans, we like to hurry things up. Okay? Unfortunately, that's the way we do things. Over there, they don't hurry it up. And I have been part of a communion service that would last for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, in some cases longer, because they really celebrated what the communion service was all about. I want you to come back tonight. Please come back tonight, because tonight we're going to talk about the importance of Sunday what Sunday means to each and every one of us as Christians. It's special. Come back tonight, we'll talk about that. In the meantime, let me remind you of God's simple plan of salvation. He wants us to believe, to repent, to confess, and to be baptized. That puts us into Christ. If we have done that and we need to seek forgiveness, isn't it wonderful that God will forgive 
1 John 1, 9, the church stands ready to pray with you and for you. Nathan has selected a song to encourage you to make that decision. Will you please come as we stand and sing for your encouragement?